Mother's Day to all of our moms. Being a mom is nice and title only, but being a mom is hard. I always thought when my kids were small, it was the hardest time of my life. Adult children are harder because you worry about them more because they're not in your house with you. You always wonder, what are they doing? Are they okay? Do they need anything? And I know that, you know, I got one that lives in Florida, and you know, Jared and Rachel are married there on their own, but I still constantly think, do they need me? Do we not do that? Do they need us? Of course they need us. They love us as much as we love them. They just might not show it all the time the way that we do, but they do. Um, happy Mother's Day to you if you're watching by live stream. If you couldn't get out in the house of the Lord today, we tell you that, you're, that we love you and God bless you. But we do have some gifts that we want to give out this morning before we start. Um, if you're a mom in any way, if you're a stepmom, foster mom, would you stand? We want to honor you. And we have some gifts to give out to you. The ushers are going to pass these out. Wow, we have a lot of mamas in here. Come on, give them a hand. Amen. And Sister Alicia is going to sing a special for us this morning while we honor you. You do have a ticket in your bag, so after you receive your bag, if you'll find your red ticket that's inside, hold that. It'll be important in just a minute. When the best of me is barely breathing. We're going to draw for these two plants on the end of the stage and then this special one that's in this bag right here. <laughs> there you go. All right, here we go. You ready? Nobody's ready. Does anybody want a prize today? It is raining. It can cheer you up a little. 794333. Is there a 333? Anyone? No. Okay. Draw another one. Three one zero. Man. Nobody. I'll just take it back home. Three two zero. Cochran and then one lady minister in the Church of God, Jessica Best. They're going to help me with a message that I have entitled today called Infinite Love. We often see the infinity symbol on so many objects. Today, it is, a, it is vast in the fashion industry and accessory design. It's most commonly used in jewelry and on tattoos. One of your gifts given to you today has this symbol on it in your bag. The infinity symbol has been used for hundreds of years and actually started with the ancient Greek mathematicians and philosophers. And the reason they came up with the symbol was because it has an endless curve that resembled the figure eight. It's still used in its original algebraic meaning in scientific fields such as calculus, computer science, and physics. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. This symbol has been adapted by others and be used in expressions of never-ending love, thus meaning it's eternal and that it goes on forever and it never stops. It's continual. 
Psalms 136 and 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for his mercies endure forever. God wants us to have a relationship with him and others that will last forever. We're, we're going to hear this morning how Christ gives us nurturing relationships, how to have balance in our relationships with others and God, how many will be sacrificial, and what it means to be loyal and find that God's love is eternal and infinite through all of those. Amen? So will you welcome our first speaker is Rachel Mitchum. Hello. <laughs> I'd like to speak to you very briefly this morning about the Old Testament story of Ruth and Naomi. And the word I'm going to be focusing on is nurture, which essentially means to care for. For the sake of time, I'm going to have to give you a very condensed version of this story. But I encourage you to read the whole book of Ruth if you have not, so you can get the full picture. Now, a woman named Naomi and her husband Elimelech were from Bethlehem, but they had moved themselves and their two sons to Moab because of a famine. The sons married two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth, while they were living there. The Bible doesn't tell us how, but we know that Naomi's husband and her two sons died after several years, and she was then left with her two daughters-in-law. Naomi decided to return to her hometown of Bethlehem after she hears word that God had given them plentiful crops again. So Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth venture out to Bethlehem, and on their journey back, Naomi suddenly has a change of heart and urges her daughters-in-law to return back to their own people in Moab. She wants them to be able to have a second chance at life, to remarry and have children instead of going with her and having to share in her mourning and misery. Eventually, Orpah agrees to head back to Moab, but the Bible says that Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. And that leads me to my first verse, Ruth 1.16. Ruth said to Naomi, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Now, many of us have heard this verse. It's often used at weddings and in reference to couples, but I think it's important to note that this was a daughter-in-law speaking to her mother-in-law. In our society, there is often a negative connotation around mothers-in-law. I'm sure we've all heard the term monster-in-law or heard someone speak poorly of their spouse's mother. So what happens between Ruth and Naomi paints a beautiful picture of what a real healthy relationship looks like and really models what God intends our relationships to look like. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 tells us to think of others as better than ourselves and to not only look out for our own interests, but for the interests of others. And this is exactly what both of these women were doing, not thinking of themselves, but of each other. At first, I think it can sound like Naomi was throwing herself a bit of a pity party, and maybe she was. But Naomi loved Ruth and wanted her to be able to start a new life, even if it was at Naomi's own expense. Naomi knew it would be better for her if Ruth went to Bethlehem with her and looked after her, but she was willing to sacrifice her own needs for Ruth to be able to start over. And Ruth went out of her way to nurture Naomi and make sure she was taken care of. 
Naomi was a widow and probably would have lived in extreme poverty as widows often did during this time. Naomi had lost not only her husband, but also her two sons, so she literally would have had no one to look out for her if it wasn't for Ruth. John 15, 12 and 13 commands us to love each other in the same way Christ has loved us. That there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. While Ruth did not physically lay down her life and die for Naomi, she did give up the life she could have had to follow and care for Naomi. She submitted herself. She yielded her own rights to, for the sake of another's, which is what God calls us to do. Galatians 6.2 tells us to share each other's burdens and in this way obey the laws of Christ. Ruth took on Naomi's burden and helped her carry it. And this is what Jesus does for us. The Bible tells us to cast our burdens upon him for he cares for us. He nurtures us. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a good relationship with the mother figure in your life. Maybe you didn't have one at all, or maybe yours didn't nurture you very well. And Mother's Day is just a reminder to you of what you never had. Well, good news, friend, because just like God is our Heavenly Father, He also nurtures and cares for us so much more than any earthly mother ever could. In Isaiah 49, God actually compares Himself to a mother so beautifully. He says in verse 15, Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. Amen. You are so loved and cared for and accepted and nurtured by the God of the universe. I want to mention that there is so much more to Ruth and Naomi's story, but most importantly, Ruth remarried and ended up giving birth to a baby named Obed. And Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered King David. And as we know, who was born into this same family line? Jesus. And Jesus calls us to have nurturing relationships with one another. And I pray that you have that in your life. But if you do not, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And his name is Jesus Christ. He is a friend to the friendless. And he's all you will ever need and more. Sorry. I'm going to leave you with one last verse that the Lord showed me while I was preparing. Isaiah 46, 3 through 4, it says, Listen to me, all, listen to me, descendants of Jacob, all you who remain in Israel. I've cared for you since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you, and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. Amen. I challenge you to truly nurture the people in your life, and I pray that you know how much God cares for you. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. I'm going to speak with you uh, briefly this morning about balance in our relationships. I love, absolutely love talking about boundaries. Um, so today I'm, I brought my angel that I have on my desk here that was given to me. And as you can see, I, I hope you can see, she has one broken wing. And oftentimes I feel like I'm flying around with one broken wing like this angel. 
I have too much to do and not enough time to do it. I have to do, uh, I've made plans to do this one thing, but I forgot that it's this person's birthday. And I have to be preparing for that event next week. And I have to go to the bank before I I get off, but I don't get off in time before it closes. So I'm going to have to do that on Saturday and just hope that that situation works out. And I... Are we even doing vacation this year? What about that? Are we planning for that? What's happening there? Uh, How about those holiday gatherings, right, that we spend so much time preparing and planning and putting into? Maybe it's a baby shower I have planning coming up. Uh, Maybe it's a wedding. Whatever it is that you spend all this time preparing and planning and putting into. We just celebrated on Sunday my dad's 70th birthday. How often? Yes, praise God. Uh, There were so many family members there that I didn't even have time to converse with them all. And I wasn't even hosting the, I wasn't the host. Uh, Most of the time, as if you've ever hosted something, you know, as the host, you hardly get time to spend with the guests that you're hosting, right? Because you're busy doing all this other stuff, making sure drinks are refilled, whatever the case may be. Well, That brings me to my scriptures today. John 10, 38 and 42, I'm going to read. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me here to do all this work by myself? Tell her to help me. She's a little bent out of shape that her sister sounds like siblings, right? Uh, Martha was upset with Mary because she did not feel like Mary was doing and contributing what she should have been doing. Well, let's see what Jesus had to say about it. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Ever feel stretched far too thin, and you don't know what to do about it? Well, praise God, I'm going to help you out this morning. How do you juggle? How do we juggle all the things that need to get done? If you're starting to wonder how this applies to relationships, good, I'm talking to you. I was preparing for this, and, you know, I obviously, being a woman and, and a mom, think of this in a perspective of a mom. But in my researching and all of that, I realized that men struggle with this too. <laughs> I didn't realize so much so. Um, so I'm not just talking to the mothers, men. I'm talking to you too. Um, so today, I want to start first. How is it that we know that we're lacking relation uh, balance in the relationships that we have? Okay? I mean, everybody's busy, right? If you aren't the only person in your life, you're busy, right? You've got people depending on you, relying on you, counting on you. You're busy. We all are, right? Relationships take time. Your time is a very valuable, limited resource. Understand that because people will try to diminish your time to value them. Okay, your time is valuable and it is limited. 
Once you spend it, you never get it back. Spend it wisely. You do not have time to waste. Psalms 90 and 12 says, teach us to number our days. Uh, on Sunday, as I mentioned, we went to my dad's birthday party, and we were pulling up, and uh, one of my daughters asked, how long are we going to be here? <laughs> and I said, well, we're not going to be here long. We got school tomorrow. We have work tomorrow. And my other daughter said, lies. <laughs> that was a lie from the devil. <laughs> and I said, well, I re really do have school tomorrow and work tomorrow. I don't, I don't want to be here all night long. Well, she said, we're going to be the last people here. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm going to try not to be. We, we almost were. <laughs> not entirely, but we almost were. All right, so i got to hurry up here. So remember the party that we were talking about hosting? This is what we're talking about, right? With one major exception. There was, this wasn't some huge gathering that they were at. This was an intimate dinner that Martha was so distracted by preparing and planning that she didn't focus on the people that were there to be spending time with them, right? Okay, so all of these things, that, you know, that we are... In relationships, all these people, um, I have an example uh, uh, slide up here just for your reference if that worked out, Kristen. Um, you can, there's, ref, there's scripture reference up here if it works um, for you to take home and refer to in your own personal study time, okay? God has an order to our relationships, right? God comes first no matter what. When I was preparing to this, I read something that somebody else said. Generally speaking, when you order something, you are setting a group of things in a set of order. That order, once established, does not change. But when you juggle a group of things, the order is constantly changing, okay? This is what we don't understand sometimes. The relationship that we have with God does not get juggled. He is priority. He is number one always across the board, no matter what. All of the other relationships are the relationships that we have to juggle based upon the priorities that God has given. In each day, we will be changed, faced with events and situations, things that we may have prepared for, may have not prepared for, and we have to juggle those relationships based upon these priorities, okay? This Sunday, I mentioned that we had a birthday party, but I also had another meeting that I should have been at. So what did I do? Well, I didn't have to spend time weeks and hours praying about it. All I had to know was what is this order right here, and the decision was made. I didn't stress over it. I didn't worry about it. I followed this order right here, and I did what was in order. And it was time, as I mentioned earlier, was wisely spent with my family. So I think I'm running out of time. Um, uh, just a quick way, a few ways of knowing that you are in a relationship that is unbalanced, I want to point out. If you're in a relationship that you feel pressured, all the time that you have to be just so that you have to line up just this way does my house look just right it, that's probably an unbalanced relationship okay because are they there to spend time with you or inspect your house okay um, remember Martha she was so upset do you have do you have stress we all have stress right I mean I 
tempted to think you're not being honest if you say you don't. But uh, it, we all have stress. And it, when you're thinking about the relationships in the life that you're living, you have to think about your relationship with Christ because your life with Christ is a reflection. Your life, your relationship, I'm sorry, your relationship with Christ is a reflection in the life that you're living, okay? That primary relationship affects everything else in your life, every relationship and everything around you. Philippians 4 and 6 and 7 tells us, be anxious for nothing. This replies to our relationships as well. Martha, remember Martha, she was upset and she was stressing over the situation because she felt like Mar Mary was not doing what she was supposed to be doing. She was not contributing her part to the relationship. And this caused her to be upset and worried, as Jesus said. So we have to keep that in proper perspective. All of those relationships that we have in our lives need to follow this order. We juggle all of those other relationships, and that will help us stay focused and balanced in our lives. Because the situations that come and that the situations that we deal with unexpected or expected cause us to have to juggle around all of these relationships. Sometimes you have to go to work and your family has to wait until you get home to spend time with them. And, and that is okay because work is necessary, right? So keep in mind that the relationship that you have with God is a relationship that never gets juggled. It's priority. It's number one. All of those other relationships follow afterward. When you bring your relationships into proper order according to God's will, you will bring balance into your life, and that will bring peace into your life. God is not a God of disorder. He is a God of order, and with that brings peace. Are you lacking peace? You need balance in your relationships. Don't be afraid to say no. I just wanted to add that in here on the end. Um, I'm sorry. I'm not sure where my time is. Uh, so I'm trying to hurry up here. Balance your relationships based upon what God orders. Every day brings different challenges that we have to face. When you keep God first, he will guide you, direct you, lead you in ordering the rest of those relationships. You cannot do that without balance and order and boundaries in all of those relationships. Remember, keep God first. Happy Mother's Day. All right, I'm here to speak to you about sacrifice in our relationships. The most important possession that we have on this earth are our relationships. Now, all relationships are born out of love. We know that there's different kinds of love, and just as there are different kinds of relationships. So it looks different. The expression of love looks different. Like, moms, we love our kids, right? There is nothing that compares to a mother's love. But I also love the rest of the kids in the neighborhood. It just looks a whole lot different. Sometimes it's tough. <laughs> Jesus commands us in Mark 12, 31, that we must love our neighbor as ourselves. In fact, Jesus says that loving God wholeheartedly and loving our neighbors as ourselves are the two greatest commandments. There is nothing that ranks higher. 
Jesus says that all people will know that we are his disciples if we have love one for another. So that tells me that it's a remarkable love. It's a love that makes us stand out. And it's our witness. It is a powerful witness. Did you catch that? All people, every single person will know that we're a disciple. So I had to ask myself, what does that kind of love look like? How do I love like that? Well, Jesus says in John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a person would lay down his life for his friends. All right, so we all agree that Jesus literally laid down his life for us, right? In fact, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So loving Jesus looks like sacrifice, serious sacrifice. But is the literal sense of laying down our life the only way for us to interpret that scripture? I really don't think so. Because we're commanded to love people every day. We're supposed to love them like we love ourselves every day. In fact, we're supposed to love them like Jesus loves us every single day. So that means that we have to sacrifice ourselves every day. So the real question is, what does laying down my life look like when I have to do it every day? There's a special friendship in the Old Testament between Jonathan and David, and it kind of shows us this love in action. 1 Samuel 16, we meet up with David. It's our first introduction, and the prophet Samuel is headed to Jesse's house to anoint the next king of Israel. Jesse brings in all of his sons and lines them up, and it just happens to be the youngest shepherd boy, David, that God has chosen to be king. So Samuel anointed David that day, but we all know it would be quite some time before he actually takes the throne. All right, fast forward just a little bit, and we watch David kill the giant Philistine Goliath with a slingshot and a stone. He's still a young man, not quite 20 yet, scholars think. He had killed a lion and a bear before facing Goliath, but he was not even close to being the mighty warrior that he would soon become. He was just one brave young man who accomplished a great feat, and that got him some face time with the king. And as he was sitting there talking to King Saul, in walks Jonathan to listen. Now, Jonathan is Saul's oldest son. He was older than David by maybe about 10 years. We're not real sure. But what we do know is that Jonathan was a mighty warrior. He was well-skilled with a bow and arrow and had seen great victories on the battlefield. He had even fought some Philistines and been victorious. And as Saul's oldest son, Jonathan was set to inherit the throne. Jonathan could very well have been contentious towards David. In walks this young kid straight up out of the sheep field, talking about one fight that he had won. He didn't even use real weapons, right? He had to use Goliath's own sword to finish the job. David is talking about his victory and eyeing the throne that's Jonathan. No one would blame Prince Jonathan for snubbing David, but that's not what happened. The Bible tells us that when Jonathan heard David speaking, his soul was knit together with him. In fact, it says that Jonathan loved David as himself. Now, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Instead of having an attitude and competing with David, Jonathan received him in love, and he gave David gifts of his own things. Essentially, he gave of himself to David. 1 Samuel 18.4 says, Jonathan stripped himself of the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his armor, including his sword, his bow, and his belt. So the first thing Jonathan took off is is his robe. 
Now, this was no ordinary robe. Remember, Jonathan was a prince, so this was a royal robe. It was a robe of distinction. It was a, a garment that told him everywhere he went that he was a person to be honored. So essentially, he was taking off his status. Jonathan took off his lofty position, and he gave it, surrendered it to David. Next thing Jonathan took off was his armor and his weapons. This made Jonathan completely vulnerable and defenseless. His vital organs were exposed, and had he needed to launch a counterattack, he didn't have the means to do so. He, Jonathan acted in humility and vulnerability, which are the two key aspects to any loving relationship. Church, we've got to love people like that too. We have to decide that whatever it takes, whatever makes us think we're better than someone else, we have to strip ourselves of that mindset. We've got to tear down the walls that are around our hearts and let people in so that we can truly love them. Is anyone willing to admit today that maybe they've looked down on someone for some reason? Maybe they've made bad decisions or don't live, like exa live life exactly the way you think they should. Maybe they are not as educated in you or they live in a bad sort of neighborhood. and Maybe they struggle with an addiction and they just can't seem to let it go or... There's a lot of drama in that family, and I just don't want to mess with it. Whatever it is that makes you think that someone else is less than, we have to be willing to step down off of our pedestal and relinquish our right to guard ourselves. We can't guard ourselves against them. Instead of guarding our hearts with clinched fists and quick-witted comebacks, we have to surrender any idea of superiority and honor each person as a creation of God because that's who they are. The playing field is level at the foot of the cross. We're all sinners saved by grace. We have to show everyone that we are his disciples by loving like he would. We have to sacrifice ourselves in true love. One last thing I want to tell you about uh, these gifts that Jonathan gave David. Not only did he humble himself and make himself completely vulnerable to David, but he was building David up. Jonathan was making David a stronger man. Jonathan was equipping David to carry on and be victorious in the next part of the journey of his life. That's love. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Do not be selfish. Do not try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as greater than yourselves. Don't just look out for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others also. Church, that's how everyone will know that we are Jesus' disciples, if we love like that. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Okay, so today I will be speaking to you about loyalty, and which reminds me of a quote from Charles Spurgeon, and it reads, in our Lord's love, we have the motive for loyalty, the best, the best reason for energy, and the best argument for perseverance. I will be reading from 1 Kings 19, 15 through 18, and then the Lord told him, go back the way you came and travel through and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be the king of Aram, and anoint Jehu, the grandson of Nimshai, to be the king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel Mulah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape from Jehu will be killed from Elisha. Yet, 
I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. See, when I read this, I hear God telling Elijah, because you love me, because you remain loyal, I have something for you. See, what is loyalty defined as? You know, it's a strong feeling of support or an an alliance. See, that makes me think of a mother's love, which is a mere reflection of God's love for us. You know, it's wrapped in selflessness, humility, strength, grace, faithfulness, and compassion. See, in 1 Kings 19, we find Elijah had ran and hid in the wilderness from the fear of death. After being in the wilderness, an angel comes to Elijah and tells him, go. Go to the mountain of God. There at the mountain, the Lord asked Elijah, what are you doing here? See, fear had driven Elijah to not only a physical place, but to a mental place of darkness. You know that mental place. Oh, Jesus. That mental place that God did not call you. That place when you begin to doubt who you are. That place that makes you feel that you are unloved. A place that makes you think that you have failed God and he cannot use you. You know, a place that makes you feel that you have no hope. See, God was asking him, why did you stop? So immediately Elijah begins to tell God as if God did not already know. I have served you zealously. Still the people of Israel have broken your covenant. They tore down your altars, killed every last one of your prophets, and I am the only one that is left, and they're trying to kill me. God, I am alone. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I know you might have felt alone. So God tells him, go stand on the mountain and face me. And Elijah stood there, and the Lord passed by, and there was a mighty wind that hit the mountain, a blast that caused the rocks to become loose, and then an earthquake. And then there was a fire, but the Lord was not in it. Then there was a sound of a gentle whisper, and then he heard the Lord. He covered his face with his cloak. And again, the Lord asked Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah again begins to tell the Lord the same thing. And in that very moment, I have to believe that God knew that Elijah needed to be reminded that he was not alone. That he had someone to walk with him. So go anoint Elisha. See, God knows how to build relationships to draw certain qualities out of people to get the work of the kingdom done. And I thank you, Jesus. Oh, I thank you, Lord. See, Elijah went and anointed Elisha by placing his cloak over him. And Elijah did not stop after he did that because God did not tell him to stop. Once he placed his cloak over Elisha, Elisha knew exactly what that meant. So Elijah said his goodbyes, and he went with Elijah and remains loyal to his calling into Elijah's relationship. See, when God calls you, when you love God and when you are loyal to who he has called you, you will not remain where you are. Even when Elijah told Elisha to stay here as he went on, 
Three different times, Elisha told him he would not leave him. Elijah and Elisha remained loyal to God and to each other until God called them apart. True loyalty will push you toward your greater destiny. As we see with Elijah being caught up in the whirlwind to heaven and Elisha being able to see it and receive a double portion of what Elijah had and getting rid of all the Baal worshipers in Israel, Elijah and Elisha shows us that loyalty is required by God. In everything that we learn about God in the Old Testament, we see fulfilled in Christ in the New Testament. One relationship in the New Testament that stands out to me between, is between Jesus and Peter. Probably because I love Jesus, but I'll punch you in your face. I'm just <laughs> Peter was, no, I'm just playing. I wouldn't punch you. Uh, <laughs> but I've been there. He's still working on me. Um, Peter was the first disciple that Jesus called off the boat and said, follow me. Peter was the part of Jesus' inner circle. Even, even though Peter was a sinful man, Jesus, as is his nature, loved Peter. And he continued to use him in his kingdom work. Jesus knew that Peter would deny him three times. Yet, Jesus did not push him away. You know, like sometimes we tend to do. You know, because we have good reason. You know, past relationships that hurt us. So we build up walls and not let others in. But thank you for Jesus. <laughs> instead Jesus kept showing up he kept revealing his loyalty and love towards Peter and the other disciples and telling them to follow him see a true loyal friend will keep showing up through Jesus' love, compassion, selflessness humility and faithfulness you know the, the blood shed on the cross Peter was able to repent he received salvation. See, loyalty should not be hidden from others to see. It should be shown. Because we are God's love letter to the world. Jesus dying on the cross was not hidden. Peter's denial of Jesus was not hidden. It was known by all. Jesus never giving up on Peter was displayed in front of all the disciples, giving Peter the confidence to become a great ambassador of Jesus Christ, giving comfort and hope and urging loyalty to Christ. It gave Peter and all those who seen Jesus love and loyalty displayed to a motive and perseverance to go out and bring other souls to the church. See, Jesus did not pick the disciples Pick the, pick the disciples by what, he, by what they could do just with him or what they could do by themselves. He picked them by what they could do together. Jesus' love for Peter and all the disciples shows us that he is loyal to his word, that he is, he is with us to the very end of age. So in the hard times to remain loyal, you have to be reminded of our Lord's love because in our Lord's love, we have the motive for loyalty, the best reason for energy, and the best argument for perseverance. So I have to leave you today with this question. Who are you following? Are your relationships with your spouse, with the church, with your friends a reflection of God's never-ending loyalty and love toward his people? If your answer is no, then I encourage you to follow Jesus. Amen. Can we give him a hand? Yes. So there is an ultimate example of friendship, but not just friendship. And a couple other ladies mentioned the same verse. But at the relationship between us and Christ, 
See, Jesus in John 15 and 13 told us that greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friend. Would you lay down your life for your friend? Do you love your neighbor as you do yourself? Would you do unto others as you do unto yourself? Christ is the purest example of a friend that we can find in the Bible. He laid down his life, his extraordinary, valuable life for the friends that he loved. Although he had the power to call those around him servants, he chose to call them friend instead. Christ gives us so many examples of how to live and how to treat people. But he was never hateful. He was never violent. He never shamed people. He always shows us the best. Can you say the best way to live? But always, say always, in love. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, 10, and 14, says, Let all you do be done in what? In love. Do we ever stop and ask ourselves, how can I better love this person or that person in my life? We have a tendency, church, to judge people according to the way that we see things in the Christian faith and not the way that God sees them. We will never have friends or keep friends without loving them the way that Jesus Christ loves us. People will come and go in and out of your life until you learn to love as Jesus loves. No matter if you agree with their lifestyle or not, Christ expects you to love them anyways. Did you know in your relationships that security is the best gift that you can give someone? If a person feels safe with you, they'll trust you. They'll trust you with their heart. They'll trust you with all of their secrets because they feel safe with you. God wants us to be secure in our relationships with him, to trust that his plan for our lives are what's best for us. He loves us so much that he never stops drawing us to himself. No matter what we do, no matter what situation you may find yourself in today, God will never stop loving you. It goes on and on forever. His love is undiminished, and his love is perfect. Christ died for me. Put your hand on your chest and say that. Make that personal. Christ died for me. Not us just as a body of Christ, but if it was just you sitting there by yourself, he loved you that enough, that much, that he would still die for you. What he took on the cross, I don't have to. I don't have to. Even if you're struggling Right now, God knows that, and he has the power to pull you out of what that you may be, feel like that you're stuck in. Praise the Lord. He has the power to do so. God manifested this great love while we were still hostile sinners. Sin is the problem, but the cross is a solution. Hallelujah. Come on, can somebody give him praise? Hallelujah. Sin was and is the problem, but because of him, we don't have to keep that in our life. God never stops loving us. You know, when you're feeling discouraged, just at the right time, he'll some, send someone to text you or to call you or even maybe visit you, or you'll turn on the radio and that song that's playing at that very moment can change your entire day. The ways of the Lord and the way that, the way that he loves us is endless church. It never ends. He will forever love you. And God gives us the ability to love this way too. We choose to love, but we also choose not to love because of hurts, disagreements you may have with others. How about this one? Pride. Our pride keeps us from, from loving. And this is a big one. Unforgiveness. That you can't move on. We just can't see past the hurt 
can't see past what they've done to us or what they said about us. So we, we decide, well, I'll kind of forgive them, but I don't want to look at them or I don't want to talk to them anymore. You know, we do, we do the Christian thing. We wave at them or we smile, but you don't really forgive them because you don't ever have peace in your heart about that situation. God loves you beyond how you see yourself right now sitting in this sanctuary. Colossians 3 and 13 says, bearing with one another. Guess what? That's, that's two of you. Forgiving one another. If you have a complaint against somebody, as Christ forgives us, and I hope that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your, as your Savior and that he's forgiven you, but you also have to forgive others in order to stay forgiven. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? Don't hold hurts or grudges toward other people. Forgive people that have hurt you. Move past that hurt so you can be free. The enemy wants to get us to a place to where we feel like we're not good enough to have a relationship with him. That if we mess up too bad, God won't love us or he won't want us. And this is how the devil works on our minds because he's a liar. The thing is, God loves messy people. And I love it because everyone that God used in the Bible was a mess at some point in their life. They didn't have things all together. And, you know, even though they walked with Jesus Christ, they actually got to see him and, and eat with him and hold hands with him. But their lives were a train wreck. They, they went back and forth with, with their mess. But do I have anybody in here today that feels like they're a mess too? Do you feel like you're a mess? At times I feel like I don't even have it have anything together. And I'm just being real with you in this place today. But God is good. He's what? What is God? He's good. And his mercies last forever and ever and ever and ever. They never end. Jesus said he loves you. And he's going to love you over and over and over and over again. It's a love that never ends. Guess what? When you stumble, he still loves you. When you get angry, he still loves you. And I'm going to say this. Yes, I am. When we sin, he still loves you, church. Hallelujah. When you sin, he still loves you. And I love this. The perfect thing about Jesus is he forgives us. A body of imperfection when we ask him to. This body is so imperfect. But Jesus Christ loves me in the middle of my mess. And he is going to help me to get through whatever situation that I may be stuck in. And he's going to do the same thing for you this morning. With Jesus, we can say with confidence that he loves us infinitely and even beyond that it's an infinite kind of love and it's a love that never ever ever stops is anybody thankful for this kind of love because there's nobody in your life that's going to love you the way Jesus loves you nobody we were made to be helpmates to each other you know this COVID virus has changed people so much it's changed me and maybe even you to where you felt like you're alone and maybe even felt like you're unloved, but not on purpose. We've learned in the last year to have to do life alone. We've been pushed to have to do life alone. But he wants us to not live that way. 
He wants us to have nurturing relationships. He wants us to have relationships that bring balance to our life. He wants us to sacrifice for one another and bring back loyalty to the body of Christ and Him. Honor one another, love one another, but most importantly, love God and with assurance know that Jesus Christ loves you more than any any kind of love that you could ever fathom or imagine. I'm going to open up the altar this morning for those of you that would like to come and spend some time with God and and let Him love on you, but most importantly, pour out your love to Him. Show Him how much you love Him. And I do feel like I need to say this today. I hadn't planned on it, but I feel like that there may be some of you that need to forgive people that have hurt you or made you angry to move on past that so that you can live freely in Christ. Because that person doesn't care if you've forgiven them or not. You're holding yourself back. Forgiveness is for you so you can be free. There may be some of you here today that don't have a relationship with Jesus and would like to have this infinite love that we've talked about today. Maybe you don't have a friend and you need a friend. You don't know how to ask for a friend. God can send you a friend. Do you believe that? That God can send you a godly friend, someone that will be there for you through everything. Would you come? Would you come and pray? We would like to pray with you.